Hey, brother, man, it's always a blessing to see the people of God use the gifts and abilities that God has given them to honor and glorify himself. And so, uh, and that's only fitting that we should use the gifts God gives us to glorify him. And I want to thank you, brother, for doing that. You do such a good job in leading us into God's presence through praise and worship. I want to welcome everyone joining us tonight. Thank you for tuning in to our Wednesday night Bible study. I'm excited about what the Lord has for us and hope and pray that you are ready to receive uh, what God has for you. I believe with everything in me that if you are ready to receive and I am ready to receive what the Lord has for us, He's ready to, to fill us up, to give us exactly what we need. And so may we come hungry tonight with open hearts and open minds, ready to receive what the Lord has for us. Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 6, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. What a blessing that is. We can be filled with the good things of God if we come hungry, ready to receive it. And so I pray that we've all done that tonight. Take your Bibles, if you will, please, and turn with me to John chapter number 8. I know that uh, Wednesday nights we go straight through a book of the Bible, and right now we're in the book of Romans, actually at Romans chapter number 7. Um, and we're going to get back to that next week. But I just felt led tonight to go in a different direction um, from the book of Romans when we're looking at John chapter number 8. John 8 is one of my absolute favorite chapters in all the Word of God. And it's actually some really good commentary on Romans chapter 7. And we'll see that next week. I believe the best commentary on the Word of God is the Word of God itself. And so John 8 is fantastic commentary straight from the mouth of the Lord Jesus Himself on what we will be learning uh, next week in Romans chapter 7. So this will certainly prepare us for that. Tonight I want to entitle this message, The Fruitfulness of Freedom and the Burden of Bondage. The Fruitfulness of Freedom and the Burden of Bondage. Look with me in John chapter 8. We're going to start reading in verse number 31. And I'm going to read through Verse number 47, and we'll come back in a moment then um, after we pray and get just as far as we can get in this. Verse 31 says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I love that verse. Verse 33 says, They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou? You shall be made free. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you're Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. I speak which that, that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. They answered him and said unto him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said unto them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. I love that. Verse 40 says, But now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God, this did not Abraham. You do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. And Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Notice the claim that Jesus makes right here in the Gospel of John. I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he 
God the Father had sent God the Son. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. Year of your father the devil and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. Because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Which of you convinceth me of sin? If I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. And I want to thank you again, Lord, for loving us, how good you are to us. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege and the opportunity you've given us to gather together tonight and hear your word. Thank you, Lord, for giving me the privilege of standing before an open Bible and sharing your truth with these people who are watching this evening. God, we're praying that you work in this and, Lord, work on us and in us and through us so that we might become what you want us to be. Lord, apply this truth to our life. We can preach truth, but only you can impart truth. And so, Lord, I'm asking you now, Holy Spirit, that you impart truth to the hearer. I'm asking that you fill me up. You pour me out. You use me tonight for your honor and your glory. Lord, we're praying that you move me completely out of the way and everything that happens tonight would happen as a result of you doing the work that only you are capable of. Speak to hearts, change lives. We pray that comfort is given where comfort is needed and conviction is given where conviction is needed. Lord, you know what we all need and you are able by your power to make that happen. We're asking this evening that you show us the fruitfulness of freedom and the burden of bondage according to your word. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray and for your sake, amen. In 18... 63, January of 1863, the Emancipation Proclamation was declared by President Abraham Lincoln. And as many of you know, the Emancipation Proclamation was the document that actually freed all the slaves that were in the United States at that time. Now because in 1863 they did not have the technology that we have today, they didn't have uh, mass media outlets like Fox News or CNN or uh, whatever news channel you like, and they didn't have social media on their cell phone in their pocket, news didn't travel near as fast as it does today. And so a large portion of the country did not know about the Emancipation Proclamation for months, and in some cases even years after it had been declared. As a matter of fact, the state of Texas did not uh, know about the Emancipation Proclamation for two years later. From 1863 to 1865, slaves in the state of Texas remained slaves and kept living as slaves simply because they didn't know they'd been set free. They still lived like they had always been living. Now, why is that important for what we're studying tonight? I feel like uh, there's a lot of people who are still living like slaves who have been set free. If you are listening to me this evening and you've placed your faith in the finished work of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin, you've been blood-bought, born again, justified and sanctified as a child of God. If that's you this evening, you know that you've been saved. I want you to know that your emancipation proclamation was declared 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary. Jesus paid the sin debt for all of our sins. And the Bible says it's because of what he did through his finished work that we are truly 
set free. We just sang about it a minute ago. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes us white as snow. There's no other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Jesus paid it all at Calvary. He paid the price for my sin and your sin and the sins of the whole world. And if you've placed your faith in him, the Bible says you've been set free. Not because of who you are, but because of who he is and what he has done for you. But the problem is, many of us who have been emancipated are still living like we're in bondage. Jesus said that shouldn't be so. He says that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. If he's truly set us free, it's going to show up in how we live our lives. It's going to show up in the decisions and choices that we make as husbands and fathers and employees and employers. It's going to show up in what we do in the church and outside the church. It's going to show up in how we live on Sunday morning and on Monday morning. It's going to show up what we do when everybody's looking and it's going to show up what we do and what we do when nobody's looking. If we've truly been set free, right here in John chapter 8, the Bible begins telling us in verse 31 of a group of Jews that made an easy profession of faith. I want you to see that first in verse number 31. The Bible says, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. Now I submit to you this, if these Jewish people that Jesus speaks of that makes this easy profession of faith in verse number 31, if they sincerely and truly trusted in Jesus as Messiah, the Son of God and God the Son, listen, I can promise you upon the authority of the Word of God in that very moment they were placed inside the family of God himself. Why? Because faith alone saves. Faith alone saves. Jesus never preached a work salvation because there's no such thing as a works salvation. Jesus preached the truth. And the truth is, if anybody's going to get saved, they're going to get saved by faith in Christ. If anybody's going to be born again into God's family, they're going to be born again as sons and daughters by faith in Jesus alone. Faith saves. Now we've talked about that for over and over and over again. If we studied in the book of Romans, if you remember, Romans chapter 5 says, Therefore, we have peace with God because of our faith in Jesus. Let's go over there and just read that. I don't want to misquote it to you. Listen what Romans chapter 5 and verse number 1 says. Man, it puts it just as plain as a nose on your face. I like when God's word makes it plain for us. It says Romans chapter 5 verse 1, Therefore, being justified or made right by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by faith in Jesus we are made right before a holy God. You remember Romans chapter 3 verse number 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. I love this. What he's saying is we are made, listen, justified just as if we had never sinned. We are forgiven of our sins freely by 
by His grace when we choose to place our faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, faith alone saves. I think a lot of times we stumble at the simplicity of the gospel. We really do because we want it to be about what we can do. We want it to be about what we have done or what we haven't done. I love Dr. David Jeremiah. He's one of my absolute favorite preachers and teachers today. And I remember him telling a story years ago. He was talking about spending the summers with his grandma and grandpa on their family farm. And he said he was out there at his uh, grandma and grandpa's farm. And, and he was looking at the hound dog laying there on their front porch. And he had uh, always thought as a little boy that it's what you do that makes you saved. If you don't do the bad things that everybody thinks are really bad things that, and you do all the good things you can do, that God's going uh, uh, to consider you as being a Christian. And so he thought that's what being a Christian was all about. And he said all of a sudden he's sitting there looking at that hound dog and the Holy Spirit of God spoke to his heart and said if that's all a Christian is, then that hound dog is just as saved as anybody. See, that hound dog wasn't doing all the bad things that we considered to be bad, and it was doing pretty much a lot of the good things. I mean, but now the truth is, it's not about the bad things we don't do or the good things we do that makes us a child of God. What makes us a child of God is faith in Jesus. Faith alone. Faith alone. But now faith alone saves us. But now listen, faith that saves us is not alone. Let me tell you what I mean by this. Look how Jesus puts it right here. They make an easy profession of faith in verse number 31. But then he, he tells them plainly, immediate, immediately after they claim to have believed, he says there needs to be an essential proof of salvation. Watch how he puts it. He says in verse number 31, the last part of that, if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. When he says you are my disciples indeed, he said you're truly, you're truly going to be my disciples if you continue in my word. So what is Jesus saying? Is Jesus saying that work saves us? No, he's saying that we are saved by believing in him. But once we have placed our faith in him, uh, listen to me now, it, there will be some evidence in our lives because of the good works we do. I've told you before, I'll tell you it again. Listen, good works are not the reason for our salvation, but good works are certainly the result of our salvation. And that's what Jesus is telling these folks. Discipleship is evidence of true conversion. To be a disciple of Jesus it simply means one who follows the Lord. That's it. One who follows Jesus. We know of the disciples uh, back when and the original disciples that followed Jesus throughout his three and a half year earthly ministry. Men like Matthew and Peter and John and Andrew and James and all of those original 12 disciples. They followed the Lord. And listen, disciples today, we do the same thing. We follow the Lord. We follow his teaching. We follow his truth. That's why the Bible says, if you continue in my word, then that's going to be evidence that you are my disciples. 
you'll be my disciples indeed. You need to see the easy profession of faith because I want you to know something. Accepting Jesus is not hard. Sometimes we make it hard, but it's not hard. It's easy. Matter of fact, Jesus said in John chapter 10, it's as simple as walking through a door. Amen? He says anybody who enters in by the door can go in and out and find green pasture. And so salvation is very easy. They make an easy profession of faith. But now listen to me. Also, there needs to be an essential proof of salvation. How has it changed your life? How has it made you different? Because a man who's truly been, a woman who's truly been born again, anybody who's truly been born again by faith, it's going to show up in how you live, in the decisions and choices you make, in the change that's made possible by the power of God. Uh, read to you last Wednesday night, Ephesians chapter 2. In verse number 8, let's go back over there and I want to finish up where we left off there. Ephesians 2 and the 8th verse. Watch what the Bible tells us here. Very important that we see this. It, Ephesians 2, 8 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith. So how are we saved? By God's grace, His undeserved favor toward us. And that's made real to us when we place our faith, our trust in who Jesus is and what he's done. So by grace through faith, we are saved that not of ourselves, it is God's gift. A gift, we don't work for gifts, we receive gifts. If you work for a gift, then it ceases to be a gift. And that's what Paul, the argument Paul makes in Romans chapter four. So again, he tells us in Ephesians two and eight, it's not of ourselves, it is God's gift to us. Verse nine says, not of works, lest any man should boast. Again, good works are not the reason for salvation, but they are the result of salvation if we look at verse number 10. Everybody look at verse number 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. You remember me telling you last week that the Bible says that when we trust in Jesus, our position changes. We go from being outside of Christ to being in Christ. Now those who have trusted in Jesus and are in Christ, the Bible says here in Ephesians 2.10, we are created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So what's Paul saying? The reason for salvation is God's grace when we place our faith in him. But the result of our salvation, once we are in Jesus, is good works in our lives. The essential proof of salvation is discipleship. It's following the Lord. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to be perfect in that. None of us are. None of us are. We still fall day by day. But the same grace that saves us is the same grace that keeps us. Day by day. You need to see the easy profession of faith. You also must see the essential proof of salvation, which is continuing in his word. 
But I also want you to see the emancipating practice of faith. Look, we've talked about the, the emancipation, and Jesus talks about emancipation here. To emancipate means to set free. Now, he says in verse 32, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I love this. Now, he's not just talking about truth in general. He's talking about the truth. Now, who is, not what is, but who is the truth? Well, John 14, the Bible says in verse number 6, listen to this very plainly. I love it. John 14, verse number 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So what's he saying? It's Jesus. It's him. It's the person of Christ that truly makes us free. Now, we know him we know who he is by what he has said. Amen. His precious word. I love Dr. Warren Wearsby. Listen to how he put what it means to truly be emancipated by the practice of our faith. He says when we obey his word, we grow in spiritual knowledge. When we grow in spiritual knowledge, we grow in freedom from sin. So really what I believe he's saying is life that comes by faith in Christ leads to learning. It produces within the new believer a hunger to know God, a hunger to know His Word, a, no, a hunger to know the truth, to know the person of the Lord Jesus. And we know the person of the Lord Jesus by looking into this precious Bible. So he says life leads to learning and then learning leads to liberty. As we learn what it means to follow Jesus according to the truth of his word, it sets us free from the bondage of sin in our life. That's the growing process of the child of God. That's what he's speaking of here. Verse 33. So the Jews, they were, many of them were angry at the, what Jesus was saying here. And we got to answer the question from verse 33. Who are the they's? Because the Bible says in verse 33, they answered him. Now, I don't think he's talking about these new believers that are mentioned in 31 and 32 because I don't believe these new believers are going to be arguing against and with the Lord. What I believe he's speaking of here are the same ones that's been giving him trouble since the beginning of his ministry. The same ones that have been giving him trouble all throughout John chapter number 8. Let me give you some uh, verses that I want to look to. John 8, look at verse number 13. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself, and thy record is not true. We know the Pharisee to be the most strict religious sect of the Jewish people. These were intensely religious people who believed it was by their own self-righteous works that they were made right with God. Uh, again, the Bible talks about them in verse number 19. Look down with me. When they said to him, where is thy father? Jesus answered, you neither know me nor my father. If you had known me, you should have known my father also. These are the same days that we're dealing with in John 8, 33. Look down at verse number 22. Watch what they say. Then said the Jews, will he kill himself? Because he says, whether I go, ye cannot come. Look down at verse number 25. Then said they, there's that word again unto him who art thou and Jesus said unto them even the same that I said 
unto you from the beginning. So this is the same religious crowd that keeps giving him so much trouble. It's amazing to me. The people that gave Jesus the most trouble throughout his ministry, it's not the lost. It's the religious crowd. It's those who claim to be right with God. That blows me away. They said to him in John 8, 33, they answered him, we be Abraham's seed and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, you shall be made free? Now, what amazes me in this one verse, it's a complete and total fabrication of the truth. If anybody should have known how many times the Jews had been in bondage, it should have been the Pharisees. They studied the word daily. As a matter of fact, one of the qualifications for being a high-ranking Pharisee was to have uh, memorized the first five books of the law, the Pentateuch. And so not only did these men study God's word daily, they had those five, first five chapters memorized by heart. So if anybody should have known about the history of the Jewish people, it should have been the Pharisee. But they say to Jesus, we've never been in bondage. Well, they've been in bondage several times. We know from the book of Judges that they were in bondage to seven different nationalities of people. We know that the northern tribes, the ten northern tribes, were in bondage to Assyria at one time. And according to the Old Testament, the two southern tribes were in bondage 70 years to Babylon. At the very moment that they're speaking here to Jesus, they're under bondage to the Roman government. So what I see in this, this religious crowd did not know they were in bondage because they were blind to spiritual things. Tell you what I've come to find out. The hardest people to get saved is religious people. Let me tell you why. Because they think themselves to be so good that they don't need the Lord. They're completely and totally blind to their sin simply because they think they're good enough. They come to church. They may go to Sunday school. They may teach the class. Heck, they may preach the sermon. They may sing the song. They've got religion up to here, but they don't know Jesus. They've never yet been born again by grace through faith. It's hard for that person to see their need for a Savior. Same is true here with these Pharisees. Jesus called them blind leaders of the blind. And so him, knowing their hearts, knowing their true condition, they were in bondage to their sins, starts talking to them about freedom. I love that. Do you know Jesus knows what you need before you even know what you need? And Jesus knows what I need before I even know what I need. And he is so gracious. He gives us what we need before we even know it. And that's what he does right here with these Jews. They were blind to their need for a Savior. They were blind to their bondage that was very burdensome to them. 
And so he starts talking to them about the fruitfulness of freedom. And really what he says is, freedom is determined of whether, by whether or not you are a servant to sin or a son of God. Look how he puts it, watch. Verse 34, Jesus answered them, verily, verily, truly, truly. He's about to tell us some truth here. Now, again, every time we read the word of God, we know it to be God's absolute truth for us. I believe in the absolute truth of scripture. I believe that all scripture is given by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit inspired, God breathed and written down by men. So every time we crack open our Bibles, we know that we are reading truth. But when Jesus says, verily, verily, or truly, truly, what I think he's saying is, put your listening ears on. That's what my kindergarten teacher used to tell me. It's time to put her listening ears on. I'm fixing to tell you something you're going to need. And so that's really what Jesus is saying here. You need to listen up. I'm fixing to give you some truth. It's going to change your life. He says, verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin or continually lives in sin is the servant of sin. So he looks at these very religious people and he says, as long as you continually live in sin, you're the servant of sin. You're the slave of sin. And I want to tell you something. Sin is a cruel slave master I've heard it said and probably you have too sin will take you further than you ever want to go keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay and cost you more than you can ever pay that's right it's a cruel slave master and Jesus said as long as you continue that lifestyle of sin you're going to be a slave to that I told you Sunday in my own experience how I used to think I really had the world by the tail and I was free to do what I wanted to do because I was going out and living in sin. But I came to figure out in my own personal life I wasn't free to sin. I was truly in bondage. See, true freedom is being able to live for God because all I could, could do before Jesus was just do what a sinner does. When I trusted in the Lord and he gave me true freedom, now I can live in a way that's pleasing unto him. Now I can be what God wants me to be. Why? Because the power of the Holy Spirit is living in me, working on me, and I pray and hope to God that he lives through me, loves through me, serves through me, so that I might be pleasing unto the God who's made a difference in my life. Sin is a cruel slave master, but Jesus makes it plain in verse number 35. Then the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abides forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I love this. True freedom comes in Jesus in a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to know what freedom feels like, trust in Jesus. Rely upon him to do the work that only he can do. And the son sets free is free indeed. I know to be true because there was a time in my life when sin, that cruel slave master, had a stronghold and a stranglehold on me that I couldn't break free of. I couldn't 
stop the things that I knew was hurting myself and hurting others. Addictions. Things that I knew was completely and totally outside of the will of God had a hold on me that I couldn't break free of. And I'm telling you, when Jesus does the work by His power that only He can do, it makes a difference in your life. I can say that from my own experience. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Verse 37, I love this. He begins talking to them and to us about two families with two fathers. He said, I know that you are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. So Jesus tells them, I know physically you are Abraham's seed. You can trace your lineage, physically speaking, all the way back to Abraham. And that was true for all of these people that were coming against him here, all of these Jewish leaders. Now listen to what he says though, I love it. He says, um, Verse number 37, I know that you're Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and you do that which you have seen with your father. He's not talking about physically being the children of Abraham. He's talking about spiritually being the children of Abraham and what the difference is. They still not getting it in verse 39. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said unto them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. So let me ask you, what is the works of Abraham? The work of Abraham is to believe God. The Bible, take your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter four. Romans chapter four. And let's just start with verse number one. Let me show you the works of Abraham. Verse number one says, What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he have whereof to glory, but not before God. He goes on and says in verse three, For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So what are the works of Abraham? The works of Abraham is that he believed in who God is and what God says. Faith plus nothing equals salvation. So he tells these very religious people, it's not about your good works. That's not what's going to make you a son of Abraham and a son of God. What truly makes you a son of Abraham is to do the works of Abraham. Verse 40, but now you seek to kill me, a man that I told you the truth, which I've heard of God. This did not Abraham. You do the deeds of your father. Then said they unto him, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, uh, even God. Jesus said unto them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Now, if anybody ever tells you that Jesus never claimed to be God, you know automatically they've never read the book of John. They've never read 
the gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. They, they've never spent time in the word of God because over and over and over and over again, he says it several times right here in John chapter 8. I'm not going to go back and go back through them tonight, but in your quiet time this week, I want to encourage you to go back and look at John chapter 8 and how many times Jesus makes the claim to be the Son of God and one with the Father. Go and look in John chapter 14 about how many times Jesus makes the claim to be one with the Father. Go and look at John chapter 11, how the Word of God always tells us that Jesus came from the Father and was given authority over all things. Look in your Bible for yourself and see who Jesus claimed to be. He does it right here. He says if, verse 42, if God were your Father, you would love me for I proceeded forth and came from God neither came I of myself but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. Year of your father the devil and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Which of you convinceth me of sin? If you say the truth, why do you, if I say the truth, why don't you believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore or hear them not because you are not of God. So let me ask you something. Do you know God to be your father? That's the real question. That's where Jesus, that's the place Jesus brings these people to and that's the place Jesus brings us to tonight. Do you know that you've truly been born again into God's family by faith in Jesus. These folks were really very religious, but they did not have relationship. There's a big difference. What God wants from you is for you to become sons and daughters. He says, the servant abides not in the house forever, but the son abides forever. Do you know that you've been born again? Do you know God to be your father because you've trusted in his one and only son? If not, you can tonight. The same invitation that Jesus gave to Nicodemus in John 3.16 is the inv invitation he gives to us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.32 says that if you have the Son, you have life. And if you don't have the Son, you don't have life. Tonight you can have Him. You receive Him by grace through faith. The Bible says it is a gift of God. It's not of works. Because no, so nobody can boast in who they are and what they've done. It's God's gift to you. But then it tells us if you've received that gift... You become his workmanship. It's going to show up in your life. It's easy to make a profession. But you need to understand. If you've truly been put into God's family. There's going to be some essential proof. And as you learn more of him. It brings more liberty in your life. To live in a way that's pleasing unto the Lord. As we grow in our faith. I don't know who you are, 
I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know where you're at with the Lord, but I can promise you this. God knows exactly where you are. And like I said before, He knows what we need before we know what we need. I don't think it's any accident anybody out there is hearing this message tonight. God knew what you need. And by cause He's gracious, He gives us what we need. Even we don't know it. My advice to everyone is trust in Jesus. He is truly the only way. If you have trusted in Jesus, you know you've been born again. May we relinquish our will to His day by day. May we allow Him to work on us, work in us, work through us to accomplish His good will and purpose. Let me pray for you. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for your many blessings. Thank you again for your truth. I'm asking you, God, that it goes out and accomplishes what it was meant to accomplish. We're asking, Holy Spirit, that you work in the hearts and lives of people in a way that only you can. Lord, I'm praying if there be one out there that, Lord, tonight has never yet trusted in you, that you would do for them what you once done for me. Holy Spirit, convict that heart. Show them, show them their great need for salvation. Bring them to the place where they have to trust in you. Lord, we're praying that you would help us all to remember how much you love us and that, Lord, by your grace, we are saved. Lord, we're asking for those who have been born again to go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus, Lord, not by our power, but by yours. So, Holy Spirit, we relinquish our will unto yours, and, Lord, may we work in us and on us and through us to do what's necessary to bring glory to you and help to others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.